0: you're listening to the reparations in action podcast and fm radio show broadcast live every tuesday at 12 p.m on Black Power 96.3 WBPULP, St. Petersburg, Florida, and now available as a podcast as well. You can follow us on Podbean by going to uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. That's U-H-U-R-U, uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. And of course, Uhuru means freedom. Hi, my name is Jamie Simpson. I'm your host, and we have a fantastic show today on reparations in action. Every week, reparations in action discusses some of the most pressing issues of these times of a colonial system that is in profound crisis, more so by the day. We will sum up events as white people in solidarity with the African revolution through the eyes of the African working class and the political theory of African internationalism. Under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and Chairman Omalia Chatella, we believe reparations is a question that demands action on the part of European or white people. As always, we'd like to begin by saluting this Radio station Black Power 96.3 WBPU, LP St. Petersburg, and the African People's Education and Defense Fund, the nonprofit that guides the work of this radio station, uh, whose mission statement is to address the grave disparities in human and civil rights faced by the African communities, as well as disparities in health, economic development, healthcare, and education faced by the Black community. So Uhuru, I want to welcome our recurring uh, co-hosts, guest chairwoman of the African People Solidarity Committee, Penny Hess, and uh, my incredible uh, producer, engineer, co-host, chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, Jesse Neville. We want to move right into our first segment today. Um, There were some incredible rallies that happened this weekend around uh, opposing white nationalism, and we want to hear some of that now. Uhuru, Jamie. Uhuru. Well,
1: it's, it's great to be here and uhuru to Chairwoman Penny Hess. And um, yeah, I am I, um, excited to report back. I can just kick this off. We want to report back from a recent uh, political action that was coordinated by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement here in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. This was in response to escalating tensions between mostly white protesters in downtown St. Petersburg that have been protesting for several months now and a group of pro-police, pro-Trump, uh, so-called MAGA motorcycle caravan called Blue Thunder. In the midst of all of this, uh, the Uhuru Solidarity Movement, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party and uh, Chairman amalia Shatella, we organized a rally against white nationalism on Saturday on the steps of City Hall. USM called on white people to come out take a stand for reparations to the African community and white solidarity with black power. And we were uh, honored to be joined by Director Akile Anai, uh, the Director of Agitation and Propaganda of the African People's Socialist Party and a former city
0: council candidate. And we move now to a brief clip of Director Akile and Jesse Neville speaking at that rally. When we return, we will have a discussion with Jesse about what, what went down on Saturday.
2: So this is the Black Liberation Movement. This is African people defining on our terms, our struggle, And the Uhuru Solidarity Movement represents African people defining this on our terms. For white people, ha- cannot just—it cannot be a matter of well-wishing. It cannot be a matter of I have black friends, I care about you. That the genuine stance that white people have to take—the thing that distinguishes you from the white nationalist, blue thunder, Trump, MAGA hat-wearing fool that will be here this evening—the thing that distinguishes you from them is your stance on reparations yeah. to the African community.
3: Yeah.
2: That Woo! is yeah. what we're saying.
3: But
2: yeah. uh-huh. it's not enough to unlearn your racism and to check your privilege. It is not enough. That does nothing for me, that does nothing for my community, who is starving as a consequence of policies that exist here in this city. Policies that people like Greg Kreisman have put in place. When you talk about Blue Thunder and white nationalism, Blue Thunder looks like the Blue Democratic Party.
4: To go beyond this protest to go beyond just fighting against what they call racism and i know that can be uncomfortable for some of us to hear because we're so accustomed to saying it's racism and we have to be anti-racist and things of that nature but as chairman Shatella has explained to us racism is the ideological underpinning of capitalism. Yeah. Racism is what we white people came up with. We came up with this set of ideas that black people are inferior, that we are white and that we're superior in order to justify lynching African people, which we did, raping African people, which we did, yeah. lynching and scalping and murdering the indigenous people, yeah. which we did, in order to secure our place on the pedestal on their backs. Every white person in this country in some way, shape, or form sits on the pedestal of the stolen wealth, stolen resources, and stolen lives of African, indigenous, and colonized people. Yes, that includes uh, white men. Yes, it includes white women. Yes, it includes white LGBT people. Yes, it includes white Jews like myself. It includes the Irish. Every single group of people who faced oppression or persecution at the hands of white power we didn't we didn't struggle to overturn white power we struggled to join white power to make white power nicer to us so we can live a more comfortable life on the backs of the oppression the torture the exploitation of black people of indigenous people of other colonized people
0: all right those uh, were the sounds of the rally against white nationalism held by the Uhuru Solidarity Movement here in St. Petersburg, Florida, the steps of City Hall on uh, October 3rd. So Uhuru, Jesse, um, Uhuru. R- really moving stuff. Can, can you tell us what was the goal for this rally? Uhuru, Jamie,
1: well, first of all, I wanna salute our leadership, Chairman Amalia Shatella, and the African People's Socialist Party for creating the organization that held that demonstration that you just uh, heard, which is the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. Again, the organization of white people working under the leadership of the anti-colonial African working class, under the leadership of the African People's Socialist Party. And our mission is to go into the white community and win other white people to take a stand in solidarity with the African revolution. And with the, the fact that white people and all of white society owes reparations to African people for hundreds of years of of enslavement, of oppression, of colonization that built our wealth at the expense of African people. And I also wanna salute the African People's Solidarity Committee and Chairwoman Penny Hess, who's here. I know we're gonna be talking about the incredible 44th anniversary of this organization, which is the the organization that leads USM, uh, the cadre organization of white people under the leadership of the party. And this particular demonstration, like any demonstration carried out by the Uhura movement was designed to bring people beyond even just what it means to demonstrate. And in this case, it was an, it was an attempt to really intervene in this whole situation that's going on in this city where uh, the city government and the local bourgeois media, the ruling class media, have uh, really framed the struggle in St. Petersburg in a way that has absolutely nothing to do with the murder of George Floyd, with the murder of Breonna Taylor, with the murder of Tyrone Lewis, with the murder of African people that happens every single day. They've uh, turned it into some, some kind of white centered opportunist uh, thing of you know liberals versus or Democrats versus Republicans or liberals versus MAGA supporters or something to that effect. And we felt like we had a responsibility to enter into this discussion and to say, to white people out there, this is the key question. This is why we came out and started demonstrating to begin with was because of the uprising of African people fighting against the colonial violence that's inflicted against them every single day. So we said we have to go We have to go beyond this. We have to go beyond protests. We have to go beyond just taking on this question of racism. We have to join under the leadership of the African working class and recognize that what they call white nationalist violence takes many forms. It doesn't just look like MAGA supporters. In fact, most often it doesn't. It it looks more like gentrification. It looks like police violence. It looks like the fact that an African baby is twice as likely to die at childbirth in Pinellas County uh, than a white baby. It looks like the education system where African children are harassed and brutally attacked by the police on a regular basis. It looks like the fact that Rick Kreisman dumped a billion gallons of sewage uh, into the city, starting with the poisoning and polluting the Black community. All, all of this under the guise of a so-called progressive uh, mayor and a progressive local government. That is white nationalist violence. And as Director Akile said, I really salute Director Akile as well for her incredible leadership and statement. Um, it's not good enough just to take you know, take a stand against uh, overt white nationalism in the form of these MAGA uh, motorcyclists. Uh, we have to be against the whole the whole system that rests on the oppression of African people. And
0: that means reparations to the African community. Great, uh, and uh, Jesse, in that clip, I thought I saw some uh, some cameras at the foot of the steps. Did, did the media cover this rally against white nationalism?
1: Uh, well, Black Power 96 is covering it, which I appreciate. I salute this incredible radio station and this great program um, and other than that, however, and this is this is the people's media, so that's why you're hearing about it on this radio station. But other than that, no, the the white ruling class media they did not cover it. We would co- we refer to it as a, a, a media whiteout. They knew about it, and they and in fact they were there. They were present. Their news cameras were there. Their journalists were there. Their photographers were there. They were taking notes. They were asking questions. Um, but they want to control the narrative. They didn't want this message to get out there. So so that's why. We, we support this radio station. We support the Burning Spear newspaper. We support the independent media of the African working class because this, that's the voice of the people. That's where you're gonna find the truth. And that's why we're doubling down on going to the masses, not relying on you know, the media that's basically the propaganda arm of the police and the government. We're not gonna rely on them to get this message out. We have to organize. That's what Chairman Amali Chitela has always said. We have to be an organization of organizers double down, dig in, intensify our work to win the white community uh, to the stance of genuine solidarity with African liberation and and reparations.
0: Wow, I got your work cut out for you. Uh, What's next for the Uhuru Solidarity Movement in St. Petersburg?
1: What's next for uh, Uhuru Solidarity Movement in St. Petersburg is what's next for Uhuru Solidarity Movement in actually six cities throughout this country which is that on October 17th, we will be participating in a national march of white people demanding reparations to African people, specifically calling upon the Wall Street bankers, uh, these filthy drug trafficking, money laundering, slavery profiteering, COVID-19 profiteering, uh, bankers and CEOs um, to pay reparations to African people, in particular, uh, through a massive infusion of capital, a transfer of resources, Uh, into the Black Power Blueprint program that the Uhura Movement is building in North St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, this demonstration is gonna be taking place in St. Petersburg on October 17th at City Hall. We'll be meeting at City Hall at 11 a.m. And we'll be marching to the Vinoy Park. And we encourage anyone listening who wants to jump in and take a stand. If you're a white person out there that's listening to this, that's outraged by the uh, relentless and, and incessant murders of African people and the terror against African people that goes on every single day in this country, um, join the March for Reparations. This is how we can really be part of changing the world. And Chairman Omalia Shetela, we are are so honored and so excited that uh, Chairman Omalia Shetela is actually going to be our keynote speaker at the March for Reparations. So that is gonna be incredible. And also Director Akile will be speaking at that as well. And uh, the very next day, Jamie, uh, we're having a Day of Reparations to African People event on Zoom called The Revolution Will Not Be White-Led, uh, a, a pretty important statement there, and a call to white people to join under the leadership of the African Revolution. And in addition to our incredible chairman, Omalia Shetella, uh Penny Hess, the chairwoman of APSC, who's with us on the show today, will also be speaking on this program uh, about uh, what it means to be a white person in solidarity with the African Revolution. And that is going to be, again, on October 18th, Sunday at 4. And anyone who wants to participate in that incredible event can register at tinyurl.com slash Uhuru Solidarity.
0: All right. That's that's really exciting. I, I'm definitely looking forward to a, a, a march that includes both Chairman Amalia Shetela and Director Akile Anayi. That's, that's really impressive, and I love the title, The Revolution Will Not Be White-Led. I want to um, remind everyone that if you're interested in the October 18th, 4 p.m., is that correct, Jesse, event? Do I have the time yes. right? Yeah. It, so that's October 18th. The Revolution Will Not Be White-Led, and you can uh, register, if I'm not mistaken for that, at tinyurl.com/uhuru-solidarity. That's tinyurl.com/uhuru-solidarity. And Jesse, thank you so much for that important report back on the white na- on the rally against white nationalism in Saint Petersburg. Uhuru. Uhuru. So we move on now to our next segment. Which is the 44th anniversary of white solidarity with black power of the African people's solidarity committee. And uh, we want to. This was an incredible online event on September 30th, the African People's solidarity committee celebrated. Forty four years of white solidarity with African revolution and reparations. And we wanted to hear a clip of both Chairwoman Penny Hess and of the African People's Solidarity Committee and then Chairman Omalia Shatella at this event. Can we move to that now? Yes. Great.
3: White people uh, abandoned uh, a relationship with the rest of humanity uh, bec- for their bellies and, and pocketbooks, and the, how, how white people benefited from uh, slavery. And all white people, all the white people benefited from slavery. It doesn't matter whether they own the Africans or not, uh, they benefited from the whole colonial domination of the world. And uh, of course, uh, the thing is that this is what helped to shape and determine the attitudes and and stances of white people, this this material benefit. And I think it's important to say that because white people are human beings uh, who uh, came into this relationship uh, with the rest of us through the advent of slavery and colonialism, the relationship that we're dealing with right now. And so uh, uh, their children are fed, uh, your your resources are acquired, your future is determined and, and predicated upon maintaining this relationship. And so, uh, uh, and it has been something that white people have uh, eagerly and enthusiastically uh, carried out. Even, you know, the mythological white working class, in fact, has been on the front lines of the most brutal assaults. So, you know, like on African people and what have you. So that's, it's a well-earned thing. And, uh, and then there's this also, this assumption that prevails uh, in this, uh, in, in much of the world, perhaps most of the world. Because uh, uh, imperial white power dominates most of the world. Most of the world lives under uh, the thumb of uh, imperialist white power and and, uh, have been susceptible to to how it has defined the world and people's relationship in it. And so Africans have been defined out of humanity almost. And uh, as bestial, uh, uh, you know, we can't learn, we can't lead, we can't do anything ourselves. And so, uh, and that uh, sometimes uh, seeps into the consciousness of African people, but certainly it's true of white people. So, when you see this relationship, then it's easy uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, incite people that something's wrong with the party because the party has this solidarity committee. The solidarity committee is getting all the money, the solidarity committee is this and that, et cetera. But what they're really criticizing is the continuing existence and success of the African People's Socialist Party in, in pursuit of this revolutionary movement to overturn our relationship with imperialism.
5: We can see the significance of this African People's Solidarity Committee as a strategy of the African People's Socialist Party to create a force articulating black power in white face inside the belly of the beast Something that is our responsibility to do, to go into the white community, raise these questions, demand that white people jump off the pedestal and join in solidarity with African people, rectify our relationship to the African working class, to Indigenous people, to the world, to be part of the world, not the enforcers, not the police, not the soldiers, not the occupying armies and drone operators that we are, we are expected to be, not living off our stomachs and pocketbooks, but in genuine solidarity and under the leadership of the African working class, which is the only force that can unite the entire world to defeat imperialism and parasitic capitalism once and for all, and for the liberation of the indigenous people all throughout the Americas, African people, the Arab people, Asians and all the oppressed and colonized people in the world and offers us an opportunity to join into this incredible incredible um, revolution.
0: So that was. Chairwoman Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee and before that Chairman Omalia Shatela of the African People's Socialist Party. And that was from September 30th when the African People's Solidarity Committee celebrated 44 years of white solidarity with the African Revolution and with reparations. And uh, for the entirety of that 44 years, since 1976, Chairwoman Penny Hess, who joins us today, has led the African People Solidarity Committee, never once turning her back on this revolutionary process on the African Revolution, holding that position the entire time, Penny has has struggled tirelessly under the leadership of Chairman Amalia Shetela and the African People's Socialist Party uh, for reparations, for principled solidarity. And over the, the course of these four years, really set the standard for what white solidarity with the African working class through reparations looks like in the real world. And on September 30th, the online event was titled The African Revolution Behind Enemy Lines, 44 years of white solidarity with black power. and Chairwoman Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee joins us. Uhuru and welcome Chairwoman Penny Hess.
5: Uhuru, Jamie, it's great to be here. And of course, I want to salute Chairman Omalia Shatella, who's brilliant, visionary, um, understanding of, before anyone else, you know, of what it takes to liberate Africa and African people everywhere and creating the Solidarity Committee as part of its strategy to go in, behind enemy lines, as has been said, you know, is just incredible. And it's something that is proving, especially with the events of today, to be so incredibly important. And Um, and visionary in the fact that it is 44 years old. And I want to uh, salute Deputy Chair Onazineh Shetela under whose leadership, direct leadership, so many of us, really all of us in the African People's Solidarity Committee work every day in one form or another and the National Central Committee of the party, which is just incredible and spans the globe. Also, I want to salute Comrade Jesse Neville, who is the chair of the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. And that, those great examples of presentations at the rally this past weekend, um, that was just excellent. So it's great to be here. And
0: um, it's really great to have, to have you, chair. <laughs> Thank you so much for those salutes. I, I really reunite with them and and appreciate them. And you know, it, it was such an incredible event, and I I, I really uh, appreciated the chance to salute you and want to salute you for the incredible stance that you have taken as chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee. That that um, conference that 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 uh, that online event, the anniversary was truly a riveting and politically incisive event that marked the 44th year since the African People's Socialist Party created the African People's Solidarity Committee as the organization of white people working for reparations and solidarity with the African Revolution you know, under the leadership of the, of the party. So Chairwoman Penny, um, if I understand it correctly, this is, this is a fascinating thing to many of us in in the solidarity movement. You were present at the founding conference of the African People's Solidarity Committee. And I I wanted to ask if if you could describe you know, the, the process of encountering uh, African internationalism, this this incredibly vibrant and dynamic theory of the world, or as it might have been called when you encountered it, dialectical materialism, as Chairman Amalia Eshotella termed his, if I'm not mistaken, a 14-hour presentation on this topic from, from one of those first meetings. If you could describe to us your first impressions, whatever you called it, of this theory, um, from the time that you first realized you had adopted African internationalism as your own worldview. What was that process like and what changed about how you saw the world as a white person through that process of adopting African internationalism as your own worldview?
5: Well, thank you for that question. Actually, the process of the party winning us in the Solidarity Committee to adopt African internationalism took many years, took several years. And that is a a long answer. But I would would say that, you know, just in my own life, I was living in France, which is the second largest colonial power was and is on the planet. And um, I was living in Paris, but at that time it was in the 1970s I met African people from around the world and especially from inside the United States who had who were being you know living in France as quote exiles. And even as France, you know, just terrorized and murdered and still does and slaughters and exploits African people um, in their own, you know, their own colonial subjects in Africa and around the world. Um, they accept a kind of you know they, they put forward this idea of France as um, the beacon of freedom of liberty of you know of um, you know all kinds of um, ideological and political freedom etc which is you know I'm actually going to address some of that a little bit later but I did have the opportunity to, to meet, people and I began to have a different understanding of the world and I began to read the newspaper Le Monde which at the time had um, you know was was it's not revolutionary in any way it's completely an imperialist paper but it was taking on the U.S. role in Vietnam and the U.S. war against against the people of Vietnam. And it was also what the US was doing in Africa. But of course, France had done the same thing, but it got its ass kicked in the 1950s at Dien Bien Phu by the Vietnamese people and also in the Algerian revolution, which defeated France. So in any case, nevertheless, I was beginning to see the world in a certain way. And I came back from there and I lived I was living in Louisville near where I grew up, Louisville, Kentucky, and I met people that were other North Americans who were active in doing certain kinds of things in the white community and one of them knew the chairman from JOMO, the of Militant Organizations that the chairman led in, in the 1960s in Florida which I've met people, white people from all around the country who knew the chairman from then, And she took me to hear the chairman speak at at an event that was in the YMCA in um, the African community of Louisville in uh, maybe like in August or early September of that year, 1976. And I was extremely impressed because the chairman had a huge map of Africa and immediately began saying what was happening basically the liberation struggles and the status of them in every single country in Africa and also talked about the necessity to destroy the colonial borders and unite Africa. And it was just a brilliant presentation which I you know I, I was I was just blown away. I was so impressed by it. And on that trip to Louisville, Chairman O'Malley Chatello, because he didn't live there, but he was going around and the kind of tour and organizing the Solidarity Conference, founding conference, which was going to be held in St. Petersburg, Florida, September 30th. I think it was actually a three day event. And um, so, you know, I was then in a house event where he was speaking and speaking to white people about coming. And so a carload of people went. To Florida, went to St. Pete on the, uh, for that weekend, and uh, I was I was part of that. And during that during that founding conference, the chairman gave a 13-hour over the course of two days, 13-hour presentation on dialectical materialism, and it was basically the foundations of African internationalism. He was taking on, he was bringing together the understanding of of dialectics and materialism and um, going into reading passages of Karl Marx that were incorrect, you know, that put white people, white workers in the center, but yet talked about quote, primitive accumulation of capital being the enslavement and kidnapping of African people, the genocide of the indigenous people, the opium wars against the Chinese, and basically the U.S. or imperialist European um, wars of occupation against the people on the planet Earth. So, it was an amazing presentation that the chairman gave. Unfortunately, there was no recording of it at that time, but. It was, it was really, really powerful and moved me deeply. And off of that, the chairman and the party, and Umbawali Kaifeng was there as well, other um, members of the party at that time. They also gave workshops on how to sell the Burning Sphere newspaper, how to organize um, a branch or unit, you know, how to, to do what we needed to do. And off of it, at the end of it, it formed the African People's Solidarity Committee, which had a rough and rocky beginning, but it did come together. It came together in a really powerful way, and it was certainly something that I could not walk away from because it gave me the analysis of what I could see that African people suffer every day. I mean, what happened to George Floyd is not new. It was the colonial conditions have been the same since 1619 inside this country since Africans were stolen from Africa and forced into you know the enslavement and theft of their labor and resources from the very beginning and it you know it just explained the world to me and it was really a It was really exhilarating to be able to see the world as it really is, to understand these things, to understand what classes in the world, what the colonial question means, what white people sitting on the pedestal means, why this violence towards Mm -hmm. oppressed and colonized people in this era of revolution of anti led by anti-colonial struggles mean being the main trend in the world. And it, it really, you know, took the party leading struggle with APSC in a very protracted struggle in a very long-term way, in a very to constantly deepen our understanding and unity with African internationalism and to struggle with us that if we understand that all white people sit on the pedestal of the oppression of African people and the colonial oppression, domination of the people on planet Earth, then this is where our resources come from. This is why we have the majority of the resources on the whole planet. And therefore why the stand of white people that is a revolutionary stand must be a stand of reparations, returning the stolen resources. And we understood that to a certain extent and we had many, important events, beginning the walk against genocide, um, Uhuru Pies, you know, these kind of institutions and work that we were out there in the midst of the party led campaign to free Dusty Woods, smash colonial violence, the struggle against the death penalty, the African solidarity with the African National Prison Organization, and many things. And we did carry out some of that, but there was ongoing struggle with us to really understand that African internationalism is our own worldview, it is not something. When the party asked us to raise resources, that is not a favor. That is not charity. That we would be taken on, and that we we went through a period of struggle. It came to a head in 1985, almost 10 years later, nine years after the founding of APSC, and we. Um, it was really it was really deep because the number of people left APSC at that time. And those of us who stayed, and there are many people in APSC who are from that period, you know, and um, but those of us who stayed said that we unite that African internationalism is our worldview, Chairman O'Malley Shatella is our leader, and that and that if we understand and unite with African internationalism as our own worldview, the worldview of seeing the world through the eyes of the African working class, then we we unite with, we have a responsibility to win other white people and ourselves to a stand of reparations. And the party doesn't need to, to tell us that because we come to that conclusion as well. And it really, it was a light bulb that went on it was really deep and it was really, really exciting. We want to have more events because I do want to tell that whole story and be able to discuss it with Chairman O'Malley Shetella. I just really also at the event on September 30th here, um, you know, Chairman O'Malley Shetella was a brilliant, amazing as always, he answers every question. He just, you know, he has founded an ideology that must be carried out by organization cadre organization is the unity of theory and practice. It's African internationalism is meaningless if it is not carried out on the ground. And it takes the party, African People's socialist party and and the cadre stance of APSC to, to carry it out. And, you know, he just, he just every thing he has this brilliant answer for. You can ask him any question. And he's going to show you, you know, the reality of it, the, what it means, what it, this particular thing's relationship to imperialism and colonialism and the right of the African working class to be free and liberated. So I just appreciated that event so much. Chairman Omalia Ishatella was incredible, as he always is. And you know, from his studies every Sunday at 8am Eastern to his Wednesday afternoon, um, you know, just address to the African nation, he calls it, that it's on his Facebook page every week. He's, he's electrifying and even more so than ever, you know, so it's really powerful.
0: I, I concur. We're, we're talking with Chairwoman Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee about the 44th anniversary of the uh, founding by the African People's Socialist Party of this organization of white solidarity with Black Power. And uh, you know, Chairwoman Penny, I, I concur. It was such uh, uh, an electrifying uh, event, and uh, Chairman Mali Shatela was on fire, as were you. And you know, during this this event, you did talk about at one point, And I know this this might sound like a small point, but I think it's important. You you talked about the seriousness of the African People's Socialist Party, uh, and the chairman versus the cynicism and the sarcasm that seem so ubiquitous in white society. And I hope that we can come back to this topic another time and, yeah, and discuss exactly. that because because I really I really think that's something important to elaborate on. We can take for granted some of these insidious things in in white culture, you know. And and this theory of African internationalism that you have embraced as your own worldview is so liberating because it, it frees us from from so much of that baggage. So thank you so All much right. for that, Chairman Pennyhouse. Thank you Jamie. so uh, we'll be right back we're gonna be talking about france momentarily <laughs> back to Reparations in Action. Let's move now to some international news with Penny Hess. Uhuru, Chairwoman Penny Hess, can you (laughs) talk to us about the news from the colonial state of France?
5: Well, yes, and I, um, Um, Thank you for opening this up and just coming out of our discussion about the founding of the African People's Solidarity Committee. But, you know, it's really hard to find any international news right now. The only thing that's in the major U.S. imperialist papers, basically, is the Trump uh, colonial (laughs) or coronavirus COVID-19 situation. I mean, and the elections. So, which we will sum up probably next week, but, you know, just to find some international news, the US is still out there slaughtering people, colonial domination, wars of occupation, you know, just all over the world. And so one of the things that we wanted to talk about is um, something that is, is ongoing and is something that the Burning Spear newspaper has Um, Raised quite a bit, and certainly Secretary General of the African Socialist International, Louieze Kinshasa, has talked about quite a bit. He was born in Congo. He is, um, you know, uh, based in London at this time, but he's talked about French colonialism in Africa today. And, you know, I would start, Jamie, with saying that the the worldwide French colonial empire in the um, 19th and and 20th centuries were second only to the British empire. And that everything about France that that is supposed to be this freewheeling, loves artists, loves people around the world, international, you know, just uh, freedom of ideas and art and all this kind of thing. Is soaked in the blood, the terror, the exploitation and genocide of African, Asian, and Arab people around the globe. And it, you know, so it has to be looked at in that reality. France called imperialism, its colonial domination, a quote, civilizing mission. And, you know, just the the disgusting repulsive nature of that statement as it destroyed the civilizations of African, Asian and oppressed peoples everywhere in the name of this brutal white power that exists today. And that it was the colonial domination of, of its colonial subjects in terms of stolen gold, stolen labor, um, pushing drugs on the Vietnamese and throughout Southeast Asia. And, you know, just so many other vicious colonial violence that is the pedestal for this whole myth that is Paris today, you know, that um, tries, and all of these boulevards of Paris and the Champs Elysees you know, these grand buildings are all built on the wealth stolen from the peoples on the planet Earth. So, you know, we can see that the colonial question is the key question. It was said by Director Achille and Jesse in the opening. It's said by Chairman O'Malley Shetela. It's still the key question today. And, you know, the African working class protests in response to George Floyd in this period has challenged colonial monuments the world over, and, and you know, in some of the former French colonies or French neo-colonial possessions of the Caribbean islands, some of the um, the colonizers who had statues there had to be taken down. But in France and in, in France itself, President Macron. Asserted in June that no colonial statues or monuments in France would come down. And so, you know, overt French colonialism was dismantled by the heroic resistance struggles of former French colonies such as Vietnam, Algeria, and throughout Africa and the world. However, Jamie, French colonialism continues today in Africa, especially through neo-colonialism, which is white power and black face, and France's military presence in Africa and severe monetary control and theft of Africa's resources.
0: Penny, can can you give us some more specific examples of that?
5: Yes, and I would definitely recommend anybody who's listening to go to the Brain Sphere online, burningsphere.com, and to look for articles written and or through the Burning Spear itself, which you can order if you don't have it immediately available, but by going to burningsphere.com, the Secretary General of the African Socialist International, Louisi Kinshasa, who was born in Congo, and who is the Spears Africa editor and has written brilliant articles on the conditions of Africa day, things you can't really find anywhere else. And he has written about this francophone states, this neo-colonial domination by France over Africa. And that one of the things that he's talked about is this quote, francophone tax, quote unquote, that in 1961, when the majority of African colonial states won their independence from France, the neocolonial leaders appointed by france to be the voice of white power and black face were forced to sign an agreement a uh, colonial and monetary financial agreement with france and you know these neocolonial forces they had no courage they had no interest in the african workers the masses of the people who had fought for the independence of those parts of, of Africa. And France will kill you if you do not carry this out. And certainly Burkina Faso is one of these countries. And as we know, Tomas Sankara was murdered, was assassinated there as he tried even in the 1980s and 90s to um, build an independent um, government, in Burkina Faso, which would enable the resources of Burkina Faso to go to the African workers themselves. So he was killed for doing that. And he was, you know, an example. But what this agreement involved is that the 14 quote, French speaking, African countries who were former colonies were forced to use the CFA, with, as their currency, and it's a CFA franc, and and franc was before the euro the um, the financial uh, denomination of France, and the CFA stands for the basically in English the Financial Community of Africa. So these countries include Benin, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, Guinea-Bissau, Mali, Niger, Senegal, and Togo, and. Since this time, since the 1960s, when this was signed, France has held in French banks the, quote, national reserves, basically the resources of these countries in an amount that is kept secret by France, but which must be at least $500 billion stolen from these African countries by France in secret, and that more than 80% of the reserves of these 14 French-speaking countries are kept in this operations account controlled by the French treasury. And um, according to this so-called agreement, France can automatically confiscate the national reserves of these African countries and does it anytime it wants. And just to make the point that the poverty in Africa is greatest in these countries. And that the, the French-speaking you know, colonial, colonized countries of France um, control only 19% of Africa's overall gross domestic product. So there's so much to, you know, to say about this.
0: Yeah, there's, there, there's this a lot.
5: For, for wealth in France, where would France be today without that? Because obviously right. it is the basis of French wealth today.
0: And, and, and it seems to be the, the basis of, of African poverty, taking, taking that much, having that much power. Can, can you speak also to the military question? Is there a French military presence?
5: Absolutely, there is a, a French military presence and it is, um, you know, there's, well, I can't think of a name of it, but there is a, a Netflix you know, not documentary, but a drama about it. It's kind of interesting that shows US forces there too as well, but France, this is in the media internationally from time to time, but not much is is written about. And again, the source for this information has to be the burning sphere, the burning sphere online or the burning sphere in hard copy and the articles by Secretary General Louisi, the Africa editor of the burning sphere, but that France has over 5000 troops stationed in Mali. And they're constantly and this has been going on for um, close to 10 years. But um, France, uh, yeah, the French forces are constantly engaging, you know, waging war, they're they're engaging in battles with African forces struggling against them. And they say that they are there to fight terrorism. But so what they're doing is fighting any sector of the African population of Mali or that region to gain power in their own hands. And France is is in a very stated way, even in the media that covers this, is clearly hated by the masses of the people, of African people in Mali. And that um, in this past July, an African civilian, you know, just regular African human being was killed by French armed forces, and two others were wounded in Mali. Um, And in a report, just to go over this really quickly from the Turkish news site Andalou post, which covers world news that on July 9th of, of this year, quote, the French military mobilization officially justified by the fight against terrorism is contested in several countries, including Mali and Burkina Faso, where residents have repeatedly demonstrated against the French presence. You never hear about that. Um, The situation worsened last Tuesday, and again, this is from July, uh, when a Malian civilian was shot dead and two others wounded by French soldiers. The French army said it fired warning shots, but some bullets bounced and hit the windscreen, windshield, we call it, of a civilian bus the victims were occupying. It, is, it said, this, the seriously injured civilian was evacuated by helicopter to a hospital of the Barkane force in Gao, but died of his injuries. All steps have been taken, quote, we're still quoting here, to ascertain the exact sequence of events um, France said, expressing its condolences to the family of the deceased. The incident has revived anti-French sentiment in, in Mali, however. Local media source, Kati24, quoted Malians, who said, the shooting was not an accident, but a premeditated act, that the French soldiers must leave Mali quickly, and that Malian authorities must reach the defense agreements between Mali and France. Meanwhile, the Malian bus driver said he did not hear the warning shots, according to the French radio network France Info. He claimed to have heard only shots that caused damage, which suggests soldiers directly targeted the bus without following normal procedures. It should be noted that French soldiers have also killed civilians in other African countries, especially the Central African Republic. In 2017, a 10-year-old child was shot dead by French soldiers in CAR, according to a website, and the soldier said it was an error. You know, it just goes on. I know, you know, we're going to have to leave it there. But there's so much to say about the continuation of French colonialism and total parasitic, vicious, brutal um, theft of Africa's resources that goes on today most probably even greater than the time of, you know, overt colonialism.
0: Wow. Uh, Penny Hess, chairwoman of the African People's Solidarity Committee, thank you so much for that check-in around uh, what French colonialism continues to do to African people and on the continent of Africa. Um, Reparations in Action will continue to uh, report on uh, white power, and in particular, uh, we'll have this recurring focus on European colonialism in Africa as as the weeks go on. We are coming up on the last uh, few minutes of the show here. I want to salute Jesse Neville, uh, my co-host and engineer of Reparations in Action. I want to salute you, Chairwoman Penny Hess of the African People's Solidarity Committee, for uh, helping... Us to carry out this show today, and for being a, f- a fantastic guest on the show as well. And uh, I want everyone listening to know that the March for Reparations on op- is happening on October seventeenth, twenty twenty, in cities across the United States. You can check out a new video of that at uhurusolidarity.org/march. And also, I want to remind everyone that on October 18th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that's a Sunday, the, there is the event The Revolution Will Not Be White-Led, a Day of Reparations to African People event on Zoom featuring Chairman Omalia Eshotela and African People Solidarity Committee Chairwoman Penny Hess. You can register at tinyurl.com Uhuru Solidarity. And don't forget to check out Omali Taught Me on Sundays at 8 a.m. on Chairman Omalia Eshetela's Facebook and YouTube.com The Burning Spear. That's a fantastic weekly study conducted by the chairman of the African People's Socialist Party, Omali Eshetela. Don't miss it again. That's Omali Taught Me on Sundays, 8 a.m., Chairman Omali Eshetela's face- Facebook page and youtube.com slash the burning spear. And with that, I also want to remind people to register For the March on the White House, which is sponsored by the Black is Back Coalition and the conference that will follow it on November 6th through 8th, you can go to blackisbackcoalition.org for more information. Again, that's November 6th and 8th and it's blackisbackcoalition.org. And you can listen to the Reparations in Action podcast and FM radio show broadcast live every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on Black Power 96.3 WBPU LP, St. Petersburg, Florida, and now available as a podcast as well. And you can follow us on Podbean at uhurusolidarity.podbean.com. Uhuru, and thank you, Chairwoman Penny Hess. Thank you, Jesse Neville. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. This has been Reparations in Action here on Black Power 96.3 W B P St. Petersburg, Florida. We'll talk to you next week. Uhuru.